this Christmas season. Our family had such a wonderful time making so many memories. And as parents, Jeanette and I had a great time watching the excitement on our kids' faces as wrapping paper went flying into the air, as they were tearing into their presents. And it's my hope that you and your family took time to enjoy this Christmas season and, and stopped and remembered what it's all about. And, and that's Jesus, right? I can't believe that the year is almost over and it seems like with each passing year, time just keeps speeding up. I remember as a child that the days just seemed to drag on and on and on. It seemed like an eternity until school would let out for Christmas break. And, and here we are now. It seems like time is just flying by with Christmas break being half over and the new year upon us. This year, we can all do one of two things. We can sit around and worry about the things that we have failed to accomplish this last year and replay all the mistakes that we've made throughout the year. And we can choose to continue to complain and have a pity party because things just didn't go the way that we had planned. Or we can decide to make the most of this new year because God has given it to us. This can be the greatest year of your life. Last year at this time, for some of you, you were saying, this year is going to be different. I'm going to change. I'm going to be a better spouse. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm going to attend church consistently. I'm going to make it to church on time. I'm going to spend more time reading my Bible, praying, talking with God. I'm going to spend more time serving others. You know, the list of resolutions goes on and on. And as we look, how did you do this year on your resolutions? There was an article that listed the five most popular resolutions that people make every year. The fifth was to take up a new hobby. The fourth was to make more money, of course, right? The third most popular resolution was to improve their relationships. The second was to stop smoking. And the number one resolution, you guessed it, it was to lose weight. There was a woman who walked into her bathroom at home and as she did, she saw her husband weighing himself on the bathroom scale. He was sucking in his stomach and the woman thought to herself, he thinks that he's gonna weigh less by sucking in his stomach? So she rather sarcastically said to her husband, that's not gonna help. The husband replied, sure it will. It's the only way I can see the numbers, right? Often this time of year, after the overindulgence of the holidays, we make resolutions to change our habits, to change our way of life. And the new year gives us an opportunity to start fresh and to better ourselves. Yet come the middle of January, we somehow forget about our resolutions and go back to our old ways. We need to decide to make the most of this new year because God has given it to us. 
This can be the greatest year of your entire life if you make a conscious decision to live passionately for God. And what I want you to understand is that whatever you're going to do with your life this year, you need to get a move on it because time is moving on. Time's not going to stop and wait for you. It's not going to wait for you to make up your mind on what you're going to do. Time keeps going. So how is this new year going to be different from the last year? I imagine if I asked each and every one of you, if you'd like this coming year to be better than last year, I imagine we would all say yes. For some, many of you know, it was a tough year. It was a year maybe you experienced some crises. Maybe it was a year of challenges and choices. Maybe it was a year of change for you. For some, last year may have been a, a big disappointment rather than a joy. Maybe you experienced loss this year. For others, this year was a major setback and, and failure. The bad news, there's nothing that we can do to change this past year. Yet the good news is we can learn from last year we can change and we have the opportunity to start over and make changes in our lives. See, God brings to life in us small pieces that we know of hours, days, months. And at the beginning of every year, God says, you know what, let's, let's wipe the slate clean. Let's start all over. Let's start fresh. And that's good news. And so will you stand with me this morning out of honor of reading the word of God? It's found in Proverbs 17, 24. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many different directions. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can gather together on this last Sunday of the year. God, to worship you. And God, as we reflect upon all the things that happened this past year. God, one thing that we can all agree on is we are blessed because of you. And so, Father, I pray today, may we experience, God, all that you have for us. God, may you speak to each and every one of us. And God, may you help us to make this year better than last year. Not because of circumstances, but because of you. And so, God, I pray, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. So often we start off the year in a rush going into too many different uh, directions at one time with, with no plan of action. And if you look at the beginning of our scripture passage, it says, an intelligent person aims at wise actions. And that means they have a goal. They have an objective. They have a plan, a target that they want to reach. You know, have you set any goals for this new year? Or are you just going to walk into this year and hope that it's better than last year? You know, if you have a goal or a target that you want to achieve, you have to develop a plan. And this morning, I want to share with you some keys that will help all of us to get the most out of our new year. 
See, keys can be used to start something like your car. When you got in your car this morning to drive here to church, you, you needed your keys to start it. When you go home this afternoon, you, you're going to need to pull your keys out and, and put them into the lock to unlock your door and, so that you can go into your house. And it's my hope that over the course of this year that you'll look back and reflect upon these notes and you'll use these keys to help you to get the most out of your year. And so the first one I said is to accept responsibility for, for my life. You know, that's something that is hard for many of us to do. And some people would rather blame someone else for all their problems and difficulties that they experience in life. You know, they have a problem in school, and so it's the teacher's fault. They experience problems at work, and it's their boss's fault. The kids just aren't listening and obeying. You know what? It's definitely the kid's fault. And there are people who look for someone else who will accept responsibility for their own problems. Someone who will accept responsibility for the way they live, the choices that they make. And when things don't turn out the way they hope, they have someone else that they can blame. See, accepting responsibility for one's life is not a popular concept in our society. Our culture has embraced the concept that, you know what? Our problems are not our own fault. That everything bad in your life is the result of somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. You blame the environment. Blame the educator. Blame the parents. Blame the fast food companies for our unhealthy eating habits, right? Blame anybody and everybody. Because it's not your fault. It's somebody else's you get in an accident, it's that person's fault that they stop too quickly. If you spill hot coffee on yourself, it's that company's fault because they didn't tell you the coffee was hot enough to burn you. Right? It's always somebody else's fault. See, we will never be successful in life and we will never live a meaningful life if we maintain the attitude that it's somebody else's fault. We need to accept responsibility for our own lives and actions. In Galatians 6.5, it says, we are each responsible for our own conduct. What's that saying to us? That we are to assume our own responsibility. And here's the truth of this scripture passage. I'm responsible for my own life. Whether I like it or not, the decisions and choices that I make, I'm responsible for and all of us here this morning face two kinds of circumstances. There are those circumstances which we have no control over. None of us here knows what's going to happen come 2019. But there are certain things that are going to happen regardless of what you do and how you plan. They're just going to happen. And yet that's no excuse for not being prepared or, or having a plan. We may not have control over the weather, but we can make sure we wear our winter coat or an umbrella if it's going to rain, right? We may not have control over the economy. We may not have control over the companies that we work for or the words and actions of others. And then there are circumstances that we face as a result of our own choices, our own actions, or even lack of actions. People who have financial problems because 
they quit their job and, and didn't have another job lined up. You know, they quit their job because they didn't like someone in their company. Someone made them mad, and so they just quit. And then when times got tough and money began to run low and food began to get scarce, right, they began to blame others. It was that company's fault. They, that's why I quit, right? And I'm not talking about someone who no, through no fault of their own fell on hard times. I'm talking about someone that did something without considering the consequences and actions of how their own actions would affect others around them. See, while we may not be in control of all the circumstances that we're going to face this coming year, we do have control of how we act and how we respond. See, we need to understand there are three kinds of people in life. There are accusers, there are excusers, and there are choosers. The accusers, they, they're the ones that they blame everybody else for their problems, right? Their favorite phrase is, it's your fault, right? It's someone else's fault. Then the excusers, well, they're the ones that always have an excuse for not making a decision or doing something. They always have a reason why they can't make the most or, or get the most out of their year. And I've discovered that whenever I want to procrastinate on something, any excuse will do, right? The Bible says in Proverbs twenty-two thirteen, a lazy man is full of excuses, right? But then there's the choosers. They choose to accept responsibility for their own life, their goals, their own happiness. They're not dependent upon anyone else. They choose the direction for their life. And so this year, choose to accept responsibility for your life. And then the second key I said is to believe that I can change. Believe that I can change. I can't are two of the most dangerous and negative words that, that we can speak. But when we take away that, that one little letter, it changes everything. When we subtract that T from the word I can't, it changes into I can. And that makes all the difference in the world. When a person begins to believe that they can do something, that they can change, they will. When we believe that God can come and change our lives, when we allow him to, he will. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now the question is, do we really believe this verse? I can do everything. Because that means there's nothing that's going to happen. There's nothing that's going to come my way this next year. No problems, no situations, no circumstances, no hassle that I can't handle. Nothing that I can't manage that I'm not competent enough to, to handle with the help and strength that God gives me. See, too often people fail in life because they don't believe that they can change. They never enjoy life because life to them is just one big failure after another. They face a new year with regret rather than the joy of knowing that God has given them an opportunity to make a difference in their lives and with those around them through the help of the Holy Spirit. See, with the help and grace from God, I can overcome the past 
and face my future. I can have a new handle on life. I, I believe and know I can change, not on my own power, but with the power that Christ gives me. The Bible is full of stories of people who've changed after God has come and touched their lives. God, God called a man named Moses. He said, Moses, I want to use you to reach a nation. And Moses' response was, me? Can't be me. God, you know, I, I got kicked out of Egypt because I killed somebody. And on top of that, I stutter. And I'm slow of speech. And you want me to be the spokesman of a nation? And God replied, yeah, I'm going to use you. Moses said, okay. And God began to change and use them. God called another man named Gideon when the nation of Israel was overrun by their enemy. He says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to save a country. And Gideon's response was, me? Right? Isn't that our response? God, you, you can't use me. Not me. Right? Gideon's like, me? No, I... I'm just a kid. I'm from a poor family. I, I'm in the smallest tribe of the nation. And God replies, I'm going to use you. And God begins to change Gideon. When we decide, God, here I am. You can use me. When we decide, God, have your way, God will bring the change. See, God can use me and he can use you. And the good news is God wants to use us. But we have to accept responsibility and we have to believe that we can change. And then God gives us the power to change when we place our lives and our trust in him. And then the third key this morning I want to share is we need to clarify what we really want. You need to determine what is important and what's not important. And the only way to really figure that out is, is what you really want is to make a list and decide what is important and what's not important to you. And it's surprising that most people never really do this. They, they never take the time. They never stop. They, they never write down on paper what's really important to them. You know, they may think about it, but they never write it down. Maybe you've never done this. You've never really written down something that you think is important to you, those things that really matter to you. You know, maybe some of those things are spending time with your family. Maybe it's getting closer to God and having a stronger faith. See, we can't do what's important until we clarify what is important to us. Otherwise, you're just going to keep being pushed around by the pressures in life and doing this and that, and then all of a sudden you're going to realize it's the end of the year and you're asking yourself, where did the year go? Right? Doesn't that sound familiar? I've said it. All of a sudden it's like, oh, there's so many things I wanted to do. Right? It was all up here, but it never made it to paper and I never wrote it down. See, your values determine your vision. Your desires determine your direction. Your roles determine your goals. And most people have never made up their mind and answered what they want out of life. 
There's the old saying, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it, right? And that's so true. They have a vague feeling of, I just want to be happy, but what does that entail? If we never sit down and write down and figure out what is it that makes me happy or what is it that God wants me to do with my life, they've never written out their values, I want to encourage you to make a list of the things that are important to you, a list of the things that you want to accomplish this year. You know, what is it that, that you value? You know, write it down. What do you want to see changed? Put it on paper. And then begin to make this your prayer list. Put it in a place where you can review it every day, where you're going to see it and know. And it's going to be a reminder where you can pray about it and begin to make changes. And then put a plan of action that's going to help you to accomplish your goal for this year. Do whatever you have to to make it happen. Do what you need to do to get the most out of this coming year. And as you do, just watch how God will begin to do some miracles in your life. But first you need to clarify what is really important. Some things in life that we do that are acceptable, right? But maybe not to our advantage. There are things that all of us do this year that just aren't going to benefit us, right? And you're going to have to make a decision between what is good and what is better for you and what is better and what is best for your life. You know, these things may not necessarily be wrong, but they aren't necessarily necessary. You know, our lives are busy as it is. We don't have time for everything. And so we need to clarify at least three things that we have to get done this year. Three things that need to be at the top of our list. And I said, your relationship with God that needs to be our first priority. What are you going to do this year that's going to strengthen and improve your relationship with God? What are you going to do that's going to help you to draw closer to Him? See, each and every one of us need to make God a priority in our life. James 4.8 says, Come close to God and God will come close to you. I tell our students all the time, you have as much of God as you want. So how are you going to go about to strengthen your relationship and draw closer to him this year? You know, maybe decide to, to read the entire Bible straight through this year. When I was younger, I, I worked in a warehouse, and this job was absolutely the, one of the best jobs I ever had. We got about three trucks every day, and so that means I really only worked about three hours out of the eight. And so I had five hours to just have fun, to, to rest, to relax, to play board games, to do whatever I wanted to do. I just had to stay there. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to bring my Bible, and I'm just going to begin to read it while I'm working. And so here I am, getting paid to work, reading my Bible. And I read, just at work, straight through the Bible in six months. And it was incredible. It was awesome. It was great. And so maybe, to, maybe this year you decide, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to read it from cover to cover. and I'm going to get the whole picture. I'm going to understand it this year. 
I'm going to know what God wants. And so read your Bible. Or to strengthen your relationship with God this year, maybe, maybe you need to decide to, to fast. Maybe you've never have done it before, and maybe this year's the year that you decide to begin to fast. Whether it's during our 40 days of fasting, or you decide to fast one day a month each month, and, or maybe a meal each week. Whatever you decide, make sure you just be intentional. Take time to, to focus on God during these, these days when you're fasting and pray and just communicate with God and seek Him. Throughout Scripture, there's numerous examples of people who fasted to draw closer to God. They, they were seeking after God. They wanted to get a hold of God and hear His voice and to know what God wanted from them. And so they refused food and water. They, they humbled themselves before God to seek Him and to seek His face, to understand what He wanted. In Acts 13, 2, it says, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Here they are, worshiping God, fasting. And God speaks to them, calls Barnabas and Saul, and they embark on a missionary journey that changed the world. See, when we fast, we can draw close to God. We can seek his will in a time of need. We can draw closer to him. See, fasting helps strengthen our relationship with God. It helps us realize our dependence on him and for our physical needs, for our spiritual needs. It brings us deeper into his presence and it gives us a better appreciation for him, a new love for him and his word. Or maybe this year you decide to, to pray every day. And you take time each day to thank God for all the blessings he's given you. Or pray for those who need healing. Every Saturday night we gather together for an hour and we pray and, and believe God to touch people and heal people. And it's great to see over the course of time God do those miracles, heal people. Or maybe in time of prayer, you're just asking God to give you opportunities to share your faith with a neighbor or talk to God about how you can be an example at work. See, take time each day and talk with God. And if you aren't doing it now, I want to encourage you, maybe take five or ten minutes a day and, and just begin to pray. If you don't know what to pray about, just begin to thank him for all that he's done for you. And you'll find yourself all of a sudden realizing all the needs, all the things. And if you still can't think anything, just pray for me because I need lots of it, okay? You'll spend all day praying for me then. But take time. Pray. And you'll soon find yourself praying longer than that five and ten minutes. And you'll soon find that you just don't have enough time in prayer. Psalm 5.3 says, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. When we pray, we can know that God hears us. And we can wait expectantly for an answer to our prayers. 
We can believe that God will answer us because he watches over us closely. As we spend time each day reading our Bibles, fasting, praying, we can expect God will move in our lives and that he will, he will come close to us. Another thing that needs to be at the top of our life is our relationships with our family. You know, what are you doing to build a stronger relationship with your family? What are you going to change about yourself that's going to help you to accomplish this? Throughout the Bible, you can see the importance of relationship with family. It's family that is with us through difficult and intense moments of our lives. It's our family that provides comfort for us and reassurance to us, that helps, gives us strength and encourages us. In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, if anyone doesn't take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he's denied the Christian faith. And this passage may sound like it's talking only about food, shelter, money, right? But there's more to life than this. You know, we want the best for our family. You know, we make sure we provide for our children that they have clothes to wear, that their immediate needs are taken care of. But in addition to all that, make sure you're leading them spiritually. Be the example. Let them hear you pray. Let them know that you take time each day and, and get alone with God and pray and read your Bible. Show, with, show them how to worship God through singing and, and through giving. Show them, you know, that, that you write your tithes and that you give to God because of all the blessings he's given to us. Fathers, set the example. Be the examples in your home. Make time for your children. Let them know that they're important to you. If you have to, take time off of work to show up to one of their events or call them in the middle of the day and just let them know that you're thinking about them. Just make sure that they know they're important to you. And then the third thing that needs to be at the top of your life is your relationship with your church and the church family. See, it's important and necessary for, for you to be here on Sundays and, and to bring your children to Timberridge and to Elevation on Wednesdays. But don't just stop with attendance, Right? How willing are you to be involved to help Woodland accomplish our dream? Right? If you haven't gone through our Discovering Woodland courses, make sure come of the first of the year that, that you sign up for it. You can even take the communication card on the, on the back there and just check and say, I want to be a part of, part of that. And sign up and be a part of, of that. And you're going to learn everything about us, and you're going to discover what makes Woodland well, woodland. And so make sure you do that. But don't stop there. It's important that you continue and you take our Experiencing Spiritual Maturity course. And this is where you're going to learn how to develop the habits that will help you grow in your faith. And whether you're a, a seasoned Christian or whether you're a new beginner, it's important to be reminded of developing spiritual habits. Habits like reading your Bible how to study it, praying and fasting. So make sure you do that. 
And then once you've gone through those two courses, then take our Discovering Personal Ministry course with Heinz, and you're going to learn how to dis- how God has uniquely shaped you and how he's equipped you and gifted you with gifts and talents that he wants you to use. See, we love it when people come to Woodland and, and begin to grow in their faith and discover God and, and begin a relationship with Christ, but it doesn't stop there. God wants you to be involved. And so make it a priority this year that you are going to find a place to be involved here at Woodland. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. So use your gift well. How are you using your gift? And if you haven't learned what your gifting is, make sure you sign up for that course. You're going to discover and you're going to find a place in ministry. Have you ever seen the movie Apollo 13? There's a scene where the NASA uh, engineers are trying to figure out a way to connect a square hose into a round filter, right? And it takes a, a lot of people, time and resources to make it happen. And it wasn't an easy task, and it nearly cost the lives of, of those astronauts. But they used their resources, they used their talents, and they figured it out. And maybe you felt like a square peg in a round world. When you go through this course and discover how God has shaped you for ministry, and once you know how God has uniquely shaped you, you can find a place of ministry here at Woodland that, that fits you in your unique way. God's created you and designed you. And you will find joy in ministering to others. And that leads us to our fourth key. Don't wait to begin. Don't wait to begin. I want you to write these three words right next to it. Do it now. These three words can change your life. See, if you and I wait for the right situation or the right set of circumstances, we're going to miss out on life. There will never be an ideal set of circumstances or the right time in life. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. And that's so true. See, we always say, you know, when things settle down or when things get better, I'm going to, right? And the problem is things never settle down things never get better because that's called life, right? And when you use the excuse when things settle down, you know, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Or when things start settling down, I'm going to start coming to church. It's never going to happen. See, your life will always be busy and hectic. And when you decide what's important in your life, you find time to do it. See, we all have the same amount of time each day. We just need to learn how to manage it well. See, emergencies happen that are going to throw off our schedules. But when you decide what's important and when you make it non-negotiable, you'll always find time for it. And there are a lot of people who have missed out on life waiting for the ideal set of time, for the right circumstances, 
waiting for things to get better. But while you wait, time just keeps going by. See, we need to learn to enjoy life under every circumstance, even the ones that are less than perfect. And as the new year begins, we begin to set goals for ourselves, and we're motivated, and we are excited to make the most out of this new year, and you'll sign up for that gym membership, and the gyms will be filled with people at the beginning of the year, and you're going to have to wait to get on that machine that you want to use. But the good news is February is coming, right? Come February, instead of waiting for your machine, you'll have your pick of any machine you want, right? When the new year begins, there will probably be no one there to motivate you, to keep you going to keep you focused, to encourage you, you have to determine right now that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what comes your way. This year is going to be your best yet. This year, you're going to stay focused. This year, you're going to stick with it. John Maxwell, in his book, Developing the Leader Within You, he wrote, a Middle Eastern mystic said, I was a revolutionary when I was young, and all my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the energy to change the world. As I approached middle age and realized that my life was half gone without my changing a single soul, I changed my prayer to, Lord, give me the grace to change all those who come into contact with me, just my family and friends, and I shall be satisfied. Now that I'm an old man and my days are numbered, I've begun to see how foolish I've been. My one prayer now is, Lord, give me the grace to change myself. If I had prayed this from the right from the start, I would not have wasted my life. Don't wait to begin. Start life right now. Do it now. Don't wait. For there's no better time than right now. And so as we look at our growth work this morning, what do I want to change this year? is it in your life that you want to change? Be specific. Don't be vague. Don't say, you know, I want to grow in, in this area. What area do you want to see growth in? Write out specific areas. I want to see growth in this year. The more you change, the more you become an instrument of change in the lives of others. And then create an action plan. Write out a list of what's important and how you are going to achieve it. You know, maybe it's to read a certain number of books this year or memorize uh, different scripture passages. Maybe it's to lose weight. Write out that goal and figure out how you're going to achieve it. You know, what books do you want to read? Plan those books. Determine when you're going to start reading those books and when you want to finish them. Write down a realistic goal of how much you want to lose and how are you going to do it? Are you going to cut back on certain food? Are you going to exercise more? How much are you going to exercise? Have an action plan. And then start now. There's no better time than now. The first step is always the hardest. But once you get going, 
once you get started, you begin to get momentum. And the good thing about momentum is once you have it, it's easy to keep it going. You'll find it easier and it'll just become a natural part of your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for this year that we've had. And God, as 2018 ends and we get ready for this new year, God, may we look forward to what you have in store for us. God, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid because you are with us. You lead us, you guide us. And God, we can trust you. This morning, I shared how this year can be different from all the other years that we've experienced. And instead of regret and failure, we can experience the joy of knowing God. And when we place our trust in Jesus, he will help us to overcome all our past failures and mistakes. And maybe you've tried to change on your own and it just didn't work. I want to encourage you today to instead place your trust in Jesus, the one who can give you the strength to change. And this morning, if you want to make that change and experience God's love, his forgiveness, his joy, will you pray this prayer along with me? You don't have to pray it out loud, but just pray, Jesus, thank you so much for loving me for dying on the cross at Calvary for me. And though I don't understand it all, I do understand that I need you in my life. I ask that you come into my life and forgive me of all my, sin, all my sins, all my mistakes, and make me a new person. Help me to live each day for you. And help me to experience all that you have for me. In Jesus' name I pray. And God, for all the rest of us here this morning, I pray that this year will be the best year yet. God, may we develop strong spiritual disciplines where we spend time daily with you. And as we do, God, may you help us to hear your voice loud and clear. God, may we find ourselves next year at this time looking back saying, I've drawn closer to God. I can hear his voice. God, may you help us to strengthen our relationships with our families. God, may we as fathers lead the way showing our children what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ. God, may our families know that we love them not just with our words, but with our actions. May we make them a priority. And God, may you help us to build stronger relationships with our church family. God, may we make it a priority this year to use the gifts and the talents that you've given us. And God, for those who haven't gone through those Woodland Courses. God, may you remind them to sign up and help them to discover
God, how you have uniquely shaped them so that they can use the gifts that you've given to help one another. And may you bless each and every one of us this year, God, as we continue to seek your face. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.